Hey there, listeners. Welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who are not quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. And today, we are doing something a little bit different in celebration of our three-year anniversary. We're counting down each of our own personal top five opening scenes in horror movies. We'll probably tack some honorable mentions onto the end of the list so that we'll get at least 10 movies between the two of us, hopefully more than 10, otherwise that means we have the exact same list. And after we do that, we're going to do an Ask Us Anything session where we answer some of the questions that y'all asked us on Facebook, Twitter, and Discord. Big thanks to the Discord folks because that's where most of these questions came from. Uh, This might end up being a pretty long episode, so depending on how it goes, there's a chance we might break it up into two episodes, but we'll see how things go. And Ash, congratulations on three years, buddy. Congratulations, dude. Did you ever think it would get to this point? Uh, you know what? I, I started to think it might go that way. As Really, after the first few episodes, it was kind of like, shit, we're buckled in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like I've only stuck around because of uh, your commitment, which has like been amazing since the beginning. Uh, I, I think, I don't know, a part of me, and I, I've been worried about saying this beforehand, but I kind of assumed we'd do this for like six months and then uh, kind of fizzle out and go uh, do our own thing again. So I'm, <laughs> I'm surprised we're here. Oh, good, man. Well, thanks for being here with me. I, I, you've been a great teammate and friend through this whole thing. And, buddy, we've put out an episode every week for 156 straight weeks, and I think we should both be proud of that. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah. No, it's been been so much fun, man. I feel like uh, it's, it's been quite a journey, and we've both kind of learned a lot, too, and it's always really interesting to go back and listen to those early episodes and stuff, and yeah, I mean, it, this is this is great. Yeah, a lot of new listeners recently have been commenting on how much we've learned since we first started, <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. they're going back and listening to the old ones and realizing how stupid we sound. Yeah, yeah, um, I can't listen to those at all. Yeah, and I'm not saying we're smart now, but we've certainly learned more about film and more about horror. And we still have a long way to go, but we've definitely progressed on that uh, nerdometer, even though we're we're still not there yet. Yeah, I was thinking about that, the whole uh, not quite nerds, but not quite noobs. Uh, we're somewhere further down that spectrum, but I, I guess we still have like a long ways to go, right? Yeah, we've definitely journeyed closer to, to nerd, but I think we still have a lot a lot to go. I think in three more years, we might be there. Really? Okay. That's, that's promising. <laughs> Something to look forward to. I, yeah, I still feel like I know a bunch of people, even like on our Discord server, who are just like really smart about all this stuff and like name drop these directors or like special effects people all the time that I still have like no clue what they're talking about. I, I feel like you know probably a lot more than I do at this point. Uh, yeah, there's definitely folks on our Discord who are smarter than us and who have seen a lot more horror movies than us. So um, yeah, yeah, for sure. We we <laughs> we still got a lot to learn. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a fun journey, though. Having a good time. Yeah. And uh, in addition to thanking you, Ash, I want to thank our a lot of people, starting with our patrons. Patreons? Patrons. Uh, so thank you to Mark, Mike, Don, Tim, Adam, Jordan, Bjorn, Amy, Coop, Sam, Moonmonk, Margo, Becca, Blake, and Kelly. If you're still supporting us on Patreon or if you just popped in to contribute for a month or two, Thank you so much. We truly appreciate you. And frankly, we're flattered by the mere fact that you exist. Um, and we should have another bonus episode out to you shortly as well. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. Really appreciate your support. Yeah. And I'm going to keep going with this thank you train. Thanks so much to everyone who has reviewed us on Apple Podcasts. In one of our episodes, I erroneously said that you could still do that even if you don't have the Apple Podcasts app. 
And I've since learned that that is not true. So there's a special place in podcast listener heaven for those of you who tried to do that for us and realized that you can't actually do that. Oh, man. <laughs> Sorry, everybody, but thanks. We appreciate you. Um, we're at 160 or so reviews, and I'm starting to think that the goal of uh, 200 before the end of the year could actually happen. That's awesome. Really exciting. Sorry, I've got all this top of top of mind, top of episode stuff. We'll power through it, and we'll get to these openings. I promise, uh, listeners. If you have requested something, I'm sorry we haven't gotten it to it yet. We haven't forgotten about you. I've got a list, and I'm slowly working my way through it. And I got to share more of those with you, Ashwin, too, so you can pick from that list as well. Yeah, it's been great to see some of those lists. I feel like our uh, our listeners have like brought up some really good films. Yeah, and there's some, man, that I'm just like, I feel like they just requested them, and then I look back and I'm like, that person asked for that episode a year ago, and we haven't done it, so we'll get on that. Uh, thank you again to everyone on our Discord server. We've got a great community. I love waking up in the morning and seeing that the night shifters and the west coasters have been chatting all night. All you feel like my friends, and I could not be more pleased with how that community has come together. Uh, thanks again to Blake, our very first supporter, who wasn't my wife, for helping us to set up <laughs> that server. Uh, and listeners, if you're looking for someone to talk horror with, pop onto that server. You can find it at horrormovieclub.com under social links and click Discord. If you're not familiar with the Discord app, I think it's great. It's really easy to talk to people, and you're actually having a conversation instead of, I don't know, Twitter and Facebook have their their faults. This feels more like you're actually discussing things with people. Yeah, and it, it feels like very intimate too, and everyone like kind of has a personality, and it's like really easy to, to join it, and everyone's like pretty welcoming. Like how, how many people do we have in there? You know, I think it's up to like 70 or so, but really there's probably about 20 to 25 core people who are active on it. There's sure. probably like yeah, 10 yeah, who are super active and like 25 who, who are, you know, we all know their names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, all, I feel like everyone in there is hilarious and uh, just like so welcoming and open to discussion. It's, yeah, and I mean, even if, if you're new to the show and you're like, I don't really care for these guys, join the server and talk to talk to people smarter than us and who've seen more movies than us. <laughs> and make sure to call us out after. We yeah, and then you can diss us. <laughs> yeah, um, it's a good and what else is I going to say about the server? Yeah, like you said, man, people on there, we kind of like know each other. We've got inside jokes and stuff, but I, I still think it's hopefully pretty easy for outsiders to jump in and, and get rolling with it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Cool. I think I'm done with my spiels. I'm sorry for talking oh. so much. <laughs> Do you have anything you want to get to before we move to the top five? Yeah, I just want to give Alex a high five for all uh, the amazing connections that he continuously delivers week after week somehow. Uh, I, I know we're, like it's kind of a random thing that we do, uh, tying every episode to our hometown of Ohio, but uh, he's been delivering, man, and I feel like, if anything, they're getting better uh, every week. Yeah, man. And then, yeah, Alex, way to go. Everyone go to Jukebox in Cleveland. It's like one of the best bars out there for sure. And then uh, I, all the guests that we've had, I think, over the last uh, few years have been uh, amazing, from like Amy, Joseph, uh, Alex... Steve Markley, um, who else? Oh, uh, Brian from the Blood Buddies. Yeah, right. Um, Lights, camera, no. Whitney was on. Yeah, Whitney was on. Oh man. Yeah. Are we forgetting anyone? Uh, probably. Oh, Jason from Adventures and Pod Taste. Yeah, yeah. And we uh, should we should ask Lady Phantom and Bill Shetty if they want to come on sometime soon too. Oh yeah, they yeah, had right. us, and I feel like we've been wanting to get smarter before we have someone like them come on the show. <laughs> I know. It's a little intimidating. <laughs> it is intimidating. 
Yeah, but no, yeah, thanks, thanks to all, all the guests who've been on, and uh, yeah, it's just been a lot of fun. For sure, and thanks to Amy May Pop Art for doing our cover art. Um, and if you want some coasters with our full logo as it appears on our website, horrormovieclub.com, go to etsy.com, search Amy May Pop Art, all one word, and you'll find a really cool coaster set, five coasters, one of them's our logo, One, four of them are pop art versions of some of our favorite characters from horror. Uh, so who we got on there? Ash from Evil Dead. Um, Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore from Scream, Wendy from The Shining. So it's an awesome coaster set. It's like 25 bucks, but if you enter Movie Club in the discount code, all caps, you you should get like a 15% discount. And that'll give you a discount on anything in the store. She has so much cool stuff. So if you don't want to buy our stuff, just buy something awesome that she made. Yep. Cool. What else? Um, I think, yeah, I, I can't think of anything else. You got anything else? That's it. Should we Should we move into this top five? I guess, yeah. <laughs> Should guess we talk we about what this top five is? Top five opening, I don't know what we'll call the episode, but mm-hmm. like top five opening scenes. Um, yeah, that, that's like literally what I Googled. So yeah, yeah that, that seems like a term. Okay, so you just Googled and copied someone else's list. Exactly. <laughs> I'm hoping it's the same list you copied. <laughs> you know, I but, didn't look up a list until after I had my list. Oh, cool. And I didn't, I didn't change it. Nice, nice. Did you see like a lot of overlaps? I saw a few overlaps, yeah. Um, so I, I think we'll have some overlaps too. There are some that just like factually belong on this list, but uh, I'm, I'm hoping to throw in a couple of curveballs to keep things interesting. Cool. And then, yeah, how did you define an opening scene? Well, I kind of really am thinking of it as an opening sequence. Okay. A scene is really like something that takes place within the same time and place. Mm-hmm. So if Ashwin and I are having a beer at a bar and talking about our day in a movie, that's a scene. But yeah. if we're having a beer at a bar and it's obvious that the audience is seeing us have a beer at the same bar at various nights of the week, like as a montage, that's a sequence because it's taking place at different times. Sure. Or if we're having a drink at the bar and then we walk to the bus stop together, that's a new scene now because we're no longer in the bar. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, sorry so, if this is like talking down to people. <laughs> no, so so you're saying for your definition, you went uh, as far as sequence. So basically, anything before the title kicks in. Um, the title kicking in is a good like indicator that this is like an opening sequence beforehand. But there are some where the title comes first. Mm. So basically, anything you see at the beginning of a movie that is a sequence is a, kind of like a collection of scenes that can sometimes feel like a short story. Yeah. Where the scenes have the same goal or express the same idea. Yep. So that that collection of scenes is a sequence, and a movie, of course, is a collection of sequences. <laughs> and I don't know your list beforehand, you don't know mine, but I feel like what we've both probably done is prepared a list of top five opening sequences to horror movies. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right, because, yeah, there, there are some different settings involved, but yeah, to your point, yeah, it is kind of like a sequence where it follows along, like, a same path or, like, there's some kind of commonality between the scenes, right? Yeah, yep, and, like, I have a feeling these these could range from 30 seconds to 10 minutes. Yeah, yep, okay. Cool? That, that seems fair, yeah. All right. Did you have any methodology for why you chose what you chose? 
You know, a little bit. I, I think what you said earlier kind of resonated with me where I, I kind of was looking for things that were almost standalone, where like they almost feel like a short film on their own and uh, brought like some level of scares, atmosphere, intensity, uh, some kind of like sneak peek into like what the rest of the movie is going to entail. Um, and, you know, almost like has like its own version of a climax before you get to the rest of the movie. So, yeah, I, I kind of looked for movies that had an opening that really kind of like whet your appetite for the rest of the film. Nice. That's kind of what I looked at too. I, I, I kind of chose different ones for different reasons. Some of them are like almost short films unto themselves. Some of them like are really scary. Some of them just perfectly give you all the information you need to know to move on to the rest of the movie and uh, pack a punch as well. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's, that's kind of like what you want in an opening scene, right? Yeah. A combination of those elements. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, when you Googled it, like I found a few lists and I feel like there were like a lot of commonalities. Um, so I, I try to kind of like diverge from some of those. Cause I feel like that's what everyone talks about. But did you, uh, do you feel like you kind of try to find ones that weren't so highly talked about? Um, I tried, but I kind of let my list happen naturally. So I think at least two of the ones on my top five are on every top five. Oh, and okay. uh, maybe two to three. Another one's probably on a lot of them too. But I've got two that I think are probably not very common. Okay. I feel like there's one number one that I saw on like every list, which I, I'll be surprised if you have it. But yeah, I'm excited to see. All right. Well, do you, uh, you want to do the honors and kick us off with your number five? All right. All right. I'll, I'll start with number five. Uh, so this one's probably going to be pretty surprising because I, I don't think we were either of us were like crazy about this film. But uh, for number five, I had the opening for Midsommar, which uh, is, you know, it's, it's not like a very action-heavy scene or anything, but it's just a very, like, uh, sad and, like, scary scene, which obviously, like, the rest of the movie is, like, pretty sad, too. Um, but it just, like, perfectly sets it up. You're, like, kind of exploring this house. You're seeing these parents and, and this family that's, like, killed themselves with, with, the, um, with the exhaust fumes from a car in the garage. And you're kind of like following the path as these firefighters and uh, policemen kind of navigate the house. And then it kind of ends on like the, the main character just kind of wailing. And that kind of like combination of like sadness and scariness and just the overall pacing and the way uh, the, all, all the cinematography worked in this uh, scene, uh, I, th- I thought it was like brilliant, man, uh, for, you know, everything else that we've talked about this movie. But I thought that was kind of a, a highlight for me. Wow, man. Good choice. That actually crossed my mind, but it's not anywhere on my list. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's a pr- pretty far down. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's cool, man. Yeah. We neither of us was as wild about that movie as everyone else, but I think we both recognize that there's quite an artistry to it, and then it does a lot of things really well. So I'm glad you put that on this list, man. Yeah. Thanks. I feel like we owed it to Ari Aster, especially since everyone else like loved this movie. I figured I'd throw it a bone. I feel like we sometimes fall victim to talking about the same handful of movies over and over again when we do lists like this. So I'm glad you yeah threw a new one in there. What's, what about you? What's your number five? Uh, I had a really hard time putting these in order, and frankly, I didn't do it. I'm just doing it on the fly. But I'm going to put A Quiet Place at number five. Ah, uh, yeah. It, uh, it does a lot of things really well. I mean, obviously, we both love that movie and think it does a lot of things real well in general. But it tells us a lot that we need to know. It tells us everything, pretty much, we need to know about a complicated world that has its own rules, really. Uh, without mm-hmm. being super obvious on the exhibition. Yeah, like without telling you anything, right? You, yeah, you, you know exposition, excuse me. 
Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's a feat, man. Like, uh, like you're right away kind of thrown into like the reality of like what they're living in. Yeah, yeah, it really doesn't. And like, there's a newspaper outside with the headline, "It's sound, but it's kind of like blown in the wind." So, it's not like the camera's right on it; you could miss it. Um, yeah, and very then subtle. Obviously, everyone's quiet. They're speaking in sign language. Oh, I meant to tell people. <laughs> um. <laughs> If you feel like these are spoilers, you know, it's just the opening scene, so we don't spoil anything crazy. Uh, if you hear the name of a movie you don't want to be spoiled, I'm going to put all the timestamps in the uh, description, not with the titles of the movies, but just when we move on. So if we're at five minutes and we say the name of a movie you don't want spoiled, just look in the description for the next timestamp listed, after the next timestamp later than five minutes, and that's where you can fast forward to. Nice. Yeah, I was wondering about that. Like, some of these openers could potentially be spoilers, right? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, everybody. I meant to say that up top. Um, but yeah, so, yeah, they're all being quiet, obviously. They're speaking in sign language. And it gives us insight into the characters and who they are. It lets us see how they interact with each other, what they do for each other, uh, how they exist, like how they operate as a family. And when <laughs> the noise oh you know what you even get like a little bit of foreshadowing i think possibly because oh yeah you really see the uh it focuses on their bare feet and there's a scene where leaves are kind of sticking up from the ground that they almost look pointy and you see their bare feet like come step right on them mm-hmm. and i have to wonder if it's kind of like setting you up for the vulnerability of their bare feet for a, yeah. a scene that pays off later um but when the kid makes that noise, it's oh, so tense. And you see Emily Blunt's character, like they both respond. Everyone responds differently in the family. Like Emily Blunt's character just covers her mouth and collapses. Like it's already done. It's like she's already right. seen him die. And John's character like drops the, uh, the kid he's holding and sprints and then Millicent Simmons' character doesn't realize what's happening until a little bit later than everyone else because she can't right. hear. And it's just so perfectly executed. And it tells a lot about each of their characters and then how they proceed with the rest of their life after this scene. Yeah. Uh, then you get like this great shot, which could have been so corny, but it wasn't, of Krasinski's character sprinting towards his kid, like with the creature sprinting through the woods perpendicular to him and then when you finally see the creature it's, it looks great it could look stupid and ruin the movie but it doesn't and mm. they, it, they just nail it yeah yeah they did i don't i don't remember getting a clear visual on the creature at that point it's kind of like a blur at this point right well you it moves quickly but you see you see it head to toe it's not like a uh-huh, long okay. uh scene or anything or a long shot yeah yeah okay cool that's awesome. Yeah, man, that that family dynamic is amazing. And, and uh, Millicent, that, that was the daughter. Yeah, I think the actress's name is Millicent Simmons, if I remember correctly. I I love like I, I know in, in the movie she's like hearing impaired and and you kind of get that view from her too. Like with like all that panic happening, uh, it it jumps like her view and like you just see like the dad like running, but it's like all silent, right? Right. Yeah. Everyone and they cut beforehand to her with like you see hear all the birds chirping and everything and then you get her perspective and it's just silent so yeah yeah it, they don't yeah. i don't think they do the silence when the boy is making the noise but it it's enough to let you know what she's hearing and what her perception of the world is like right right 
Yeah, yeah man, it does a lot in, in just, I don't know, six yeah. minutes maybe. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I love that opening. Uh, yeah, it totally sets the whole groundwork for the rest of the movie and, yeah, the, putting you in, in the reality of what, like, they've been living in and that whole family dynamic is amazing. You get kind of, like, that stressful point when they're at the store and, like, he almost drops something or he's trying to put the batteries into something. Uh, so, yeah, it's it just really smartly done. Yeah, agreed. Cool, cool. That's, that's each of our number fives. What's your number four? Uh, so number four is actually a movie we haven't covered. Uh, I'm not sure if you've seen this one, uh, but it's Lights Out. Have you seen that one? I have seen it. We have discussed it together, the two of us, I believe, but just not before the podcast. Oh, really? Okay, okay. Yeah, uh, so I think this one, uh, this whole movie, I think, was based on like a short film to begin with, and the whole concept is that woman can only exist in, in the dark. Uh, and so I love this opening sequence. I think this is like one of the scarier ones on my list where uh, this dude is like hanging out in like a textile factory. So it's like a great setting. You've got like these mannequins that are covered in plastic. So it really looks like there's uh, people there and, and you're kind of like wondering if you're seeing things move around. And then these lights start cutting out and the whole uh, silhouette that you see and like how she uh, conducts herself and like the body movements and how she like murders this guy. Uh, I thought like that was kind of like a pretty scary opener and probably the climax of this film too for me. Uh, just a great way to kind of uh, roll into the rest of the film of um, like this is like the, the power that this woman has and like the ability to kill people when the light goes off. Um, did you, did you, uh, have, have you, did you feel like that was a scary one at all? Yeah, man, that's awesome. I'm glad you chose this. It didn't even cross my mind, but yeah, I'm remembering it all as you describe it now. And it, honestly, as soon as you said lights out, it was like, oh yeah, that was an awesome opening <laughs> scene. And it really was scary. I think that that's a scary yeah. movie too. I love that movie. Yeah. Yeah. They use the dark and, and, uh, that silhouette kind of stuff really well. Uh, so yeah, and, and I thought, yeah, it, it's, it's tough to transition anything from like a short film to a full feature film. And so I thought the opening of this really kind of like stood on its own, uh, pretty well to just like kind of extend the short film that like maybe we all saw before. So it was, it was a good extension. Yeah. Cool. Good job, man. Good pick. Hey, thanks. How about you? What's, what's your number four? My number four is Overlord. Oh, wow. What was the opening for Overlord? It's when they're in the plane, man. Do you remember that? No, not very well. What, what happens? So they're all just sitting in the plane. It's D-Day, and they're invading, and it's just really tense. We, we see our main character. He's, like, bouncing his knee, and he's tense, and we get some basic knowledge about all our main characters without, again, being too exposition-heavy. Um, they're just kind of, like, shooting the shit, and, like, some of them are talking tough, and some of them are scared, and some of them are trying to act like they're not scared. Mm-hmm. Um, so it sets up all the characters really well. And it even sets up some themes, like where their general or whoever a leader in the army is called is like, like we've got to be just as rotten as them, and like we stand for all that is good and right in the world, which is kind of a contradiction and ends up kind of representing how two of the main characters operate in this movie. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and we really get to know our main character through his reactions and actions to everything that's happening. But the plane starts to like everybody around them starts to get shot at and there's just explosions and everything's kind of getting closer and closer and more intense. And everyone's like, it's just the way it is. It's going to be fine. And then eventually, you know, somebody gets blown up and somebody gets shot. And then it's clear that the plane is going down and they're jumping from it. And, uh, it's just super tense, man. It it, it gives me chills. 
Damn. They throw you into the action, like, right away, right? Is, is that also, uh, like, part of the opening sequence? Is that, like, when they crash and, like, they're getting shot at and stuff and, like, trying to survive in the woods? Yeah. The Once they get to the woods, that's, like, past... Uh, I consider okay. that, like, moving on to the rest of the movie, but yeah. I'm kind of thinking from the start of the movie to the point that our guy hits the water. He barely has oh, time yeah. to get his parachute out and he splashes into the water. Wow. Yeah, uh, yeah. Boyce, I think his name is. Okay. Um, and like when you consider how realistic that is and how that's the way war is, it, yeah. it's it's really scary. And this is a, a movie that I think is safely called horror, but it's, it's very much like an action and a war movie. And I think it really encapsulates the horror of war. And it really starts out as just like, if this was just a plain war movie, this would be a great war movie. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah, very realistic. Uh, that idea of like being in a plane that's going down. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, I, I'm remembering a little bit of it now. That's uh, pretty intense. Yeah, yeah, and he's like, you can tell Boyce is trying to like calm himself down. He's trying to calm this other guy down too. It's cool. It's yeah. like, it's cool character building, and it is really tense. And they shoot it. The very opening is kind of like this highly stylized 1950s newsreel type or I guess 1940s newsreel type visual oh um, okay so it's a little CGI-ish but it's stylized such to the point where it looks good and they uh, the event itself like the plane going down I'm pretty sure that was mostly practical like they had a big model plane uh-oh. or like a big plane hangar that they were in yeah that's awesome man yeah I really want to go back and, and watch that now I feel like that was a pretty underrated movie or didn't get like the uh the, the the viewership that it kind of deserves. I agree, man. I've been meaning to rewatch that forever. A lot of almost all these opening scenes are on YouTube, so. Yeah, I, I like that. Did you watch? You ended up watching a lot of these. I did. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That cool. Refresher. Wow, that, that's a good one, man. I, I didn't see that pop up in the list. That's that's a good find, and yeah, very real for sure. Yeah. Uh, cool. So, what is your number three? All right. Number three, uh, I had Lee Wanell's Invisible Man. Uh, watched this intro again, and was just kind of blown away by uh, how like Elizabeth Moss, like she's waking up in like this huge house, and the way the house is captured is like this dark, like very like tech heavy place, and how she's like kind of sneaking away in the middle of the night, and like it's already like kind of uh, alluding to those dark shadows and uh, figures in the background that we come to know later in the film, and those empty spaces where you wonder if something's happening. You've got like great music of like a uh, loud kind of uh, ambient music coming into play and then the sense of like chaos once like the car alarm goes off and uh you get a glimpse of like her escaping and then kind of like understand like what she was running away from when like that guy tries to attack the car that she was in so i i just thought this was like kind of a very i, I want to say it's maybe like five to seven minutes or something but uh it's just like a very compelling like short story about this woman escaping like a very abusive situation where the guy's like this tech savvy guy who you know is gonna you know do some pretty messed up stuff later on in the film so uh, I, yeah i thought this was like a great setup and a great performance awesome man that that is on my short list uh oh cool i think that's just shy of honorable mentions oh man all right damn i mean i'm excited to hear these honorable mentions man <laughs> cool man we got a pretty uh diverse list so far we're not repeating i'm i'm glad yeah yeah i, mean, I think we'll, we'll probably as we get to like one or two we might start to overlap a bit yeah but we'll, i think we both know it yeah what uh what was your number three my number three and there are a couple of movies on my list where i feel like maybe even three maybe my top three are all where even if i love the movie as a whole the opening 
sequence is the best part of the movie. Mm-hmm. And I think the original Suspiria falls into that oh. category. Wow. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. It's like its own kind of short story, but it's also just very representative of the movie as a whole. Like everything that's good about the movie. It's like mm-hmm. this waking nightmare with an aggressive score and saturated colors, bright red blood and beautiful gore and cinematography, man. And, and the production design is just incredible. Like, yeah, even just yeah. in this opening, there are so many shots where I was like, if that was a, a photo in an art museum, I would stand in front of it for quite a while. <laughs> like, I know every scene like so well, like uh, color is amazing. Yeah, man, yeah. you could you could make like a whole room of <laughs> just stills from this movie and it would be. Yeah, they're all beautiful. Yeah, that's great. Hey, the opening, is it her coming to the airport or does it start with like the murder right off the bat? So yeah, at first, and this is kind of like a long opening sequence and this is where like the opening scene, you can't really call it an opening scene because really the opening scene of the movie is her at the airport. Oh Um, yeah. But she gets to the airport, she gets in a cab. It's all very ominous from the get-go because of the music and the, the lighting and just, it's all very dramatized. Mm-hmm. Um, she gets to the school and there's a girl who runs out of the school and then we follow that girl as she goes to a friend's apartment and is super paranoid and someone breaks through the window of the bathroom and drags her outside and starts stabbing her wow yeah and man the stabbing here is so brutal and relentless um, yeah and the score The score of that movie is really good. Sometimes it can be too much, but it's at its best here, I think. Yeah, they this it worked really well in this sequence, and this was like Goblin, right? Yeah, yep. Yeah, they did an incredible job. And then just like this scene is so epic, he hangs this woman, like sends her down through the stained glass skylight, and then the glass impales her friend below her, like. Oh yeah. And just this like horrifically beautiful image is the last thing you see of this woman hanging there with a pool of blood below her right next to her dead friend who's been impaled three times over like hyper color blood and it's just yeah it's just like if someone asked like what is a horror movie like you could show this to them be like this is it like yeah (laughs) it's it's brutal it's scary it's it's got the mood. It's got horror vibes like crazy with the score and the cinematography. And it, yeah. it's perfect. I honestly, like, I have a a complicated relationship with this movie depending on when I watch it. Like, I love so much about it, but it's not a great top-to-bottom film. Mm-hmm. But this, this, it never gets better than this, man. Yeah, yeah, this opening's great. I, I think it's probably, like, one of the more, like, artistic ones uh, of the ones, like, we're talking about where the other ones might be more, like, traditional horror, but... This one, like, yeah, just visually and and musically and atmospherically so artistic. Yeah, and I think some of the ones we've picked so far are on our list because we feel like uh, maybe Lights Out is another one that's, like, more on there based on scares. But my other ones on this list so far, like A Quiet Place and Overlord, I picked, they're tens for sure, but they they do a great job Mm -hmm. of setting up the movie and and introducing us to everything we need to be, to know seamlessly. This movie doesn't really do that i mean it's fine but it's just like its own self-encapsulated thing yeah just like a great like first kill yeah 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 and it's it it welcomes you into its suspiria's whole mood 
oh man when she's getting stabbed out there don't you like uh see her heart for a second like is this the scene where yeah there's a close-up shot of her heart which like (laughs) you can see through the giant opening that's been made in her chest and the knife stabs the chest and then you see it beat again even with this knife hole in it yeah (laughs) i should have looked into how they did that like it it looks good it does yeah 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 it's weird like that movie was 70s is that right yeah, I can never remember what year Suspiria was. Somewhere like mid seventies. Yeah, but I, but I feel like visually, like and the, the, the artistry of it, like still holds up today, and like you can still appreciate uh, the whole production behind it. So, so for well sure, done. I mean, there are a few movies more visually beautiful. Yeah, right. And I I haven't seen the remake. You haven't either, right? I haven't. No, we'll have to check that out. Yeah, I just feel like it's gonna be a letdown. I know. We can be let down together. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, so yeah, what's your number two? Uh, so my number two, and I feel like uh, we're starting to get into like maybe a zombie territory. So uh, I know there's one that like a lot of people talk about. I went with uh, 28 weeks later. I knew uh, you'd this... pick this. <laughs> okay, awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think you were a huge fan of this uh, opening. Um, but yeah, I, I, I thought it was like really well done. Like it starts off very intimate. You have like this quiet dinner then like a zombie shows up and like these are the really fast zombies and things just escalate really quickly and then the music comes in and I, I think you might have thought the music got kind of loud which it does get like really really loud but I, I kind of liked it because uh, just the whole thing just like explodes in like a matter of a few minutes and ends with like this guy just like running leaving his like loved ones behind and uh, being chased down a field by zombies and narrowly escaping so I, I just thought this was kind of like an epic opening um am i right were you not too big of a fan of this one i actually if i remember correctly i was a big fan of it i thought it was a great opening but my one complaint was that the music went up to volume 11 and like (laughs) climax 11 about a minute too early oh sure yeah (laughs) and it was just like got kind of awkward for that yeah yeah i got really loud yeah, and it was, like, really yeah. fucking loud. Yeah, yeah, it, it gets really loud. But I don't know, like, I'm a sucker for it, man. I'm like, take it up to 12 or something. This is this is amazing. Because sure. I also, I, I love the soundtrack of this movie, and uh, I thought they had a, a pretty cool score. Yeah, the so, music is good. Yeah, yeah, it kind of uh, fits it well. So, yeah, cool, that, man. That, that was my number two. What, what about you? I'm glad you chose it. I, uh, I'm i glad it's on this list. I do think it's a great opening. Oh, okay, cool. Good. No deal. Uh, I will stick with the zombie territory, and, uh, oh, you know, I'm surprised you haven't mentioned this yet. Uh, I'm going to pick Dawn of the Dead 2004 remake. Ah, yeah, yeah. Good one. Um, so, yeah, we, we see this, our main character come home from a long day at work, and she wakes up next to her husband. There's a girl at the door who's a zombie who bites him, and then her husband tries to attack her, and then she gets out of the house and realizes the whole neighborhood and the whole city are in zombie apocalypse mode. Um, and I think we talked about this in our review, but I just love the change in scale and scope of this scene. Mm-hmm. Like, we start out in this bedroom, and it's this little girl, and then we go even smaller. She's trapped in the bathroom now with this guy. And yeah. then it's like also mirroring her realizations of just how broad in scope this whole fucked up thing is. Like, yeah. Oh, there's a like girl who bit my husband. That's wacky. Oh my gosh. Now my husband's trying to bite me. Oh, now it's the whole neighborhood. Cause she spills out of the bathroom and sees that her neighborhood is in the throes of an apocalypse. We get like a wide angle to see up and down the street. Yeah. And then she gets in the car and there's just a lot of great camera work too here following her. 
through each right. phase of this as she realizes how much more epic this problem is than she may have thought. And we realize as the viewer, like, okay, this is this is the scale of the zombie apocalypse that we're in. I mean, this is Dawn of the Dead remake, so we know that, but mm-hmm. uh, it's cool, man. And the, the tension, especially as she's in the bathroom and trying to escape through the window is really good. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's it's brilliant, man. Yeah, it's, it's really well done. And then like, it goes like the scope gets at its biggest with like a drone shot of her car on the highway, and we see a car crash into another and like careen into a gas station and explode. <laughs> and then yeah. camera closes in on the car, and we're back with her in the car again. And and it's a little claustrophobic again because zombies are approaching the car and stuff. It's just really yeah. cool. Yeah, it seems like the whole world is exploding. That That is, like, really well done, like, how they go from, like, this microscope of, like, two characters and, like, one incident to, like, suddenly w- within that, like, a few minutes later, you're seeing, like, the whole world and, like, what's happened outside. That, that That's really well done. Yeah, yeah, and then they bring it back close up again with her as, as she reaches the final moment of this opening sequence. Um, and yeah. then the movie loses its way a little bit in some in some <laughs> ways. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, such yep. a strong opener. I was kind of boycotting uh, Snyder after uh, Army of the Dead, but I'm, I'm glad uh, you brought this one up. Hey, what, what's the, is this the time where the Johnny Cash song, uh, When the Man Comes Around, is playing? Uh, not during this opening sequence, but maybe shortly after this, I can't remember. Oh, okay. Is there is there uh, music at all during this part? Yes, it's just a score. It's not, oh, okay. not a soundtrack. Got it, got it. Okay, cool. And there's yeah, a lot this... of different camera angles throughout this thing, too. And they're all, like, really well-placed to give us a good understanding of the space and also capture some of the some of her reactions to it as well. Yeah. Yeah, and she's great. Like, I, I don't even know who that actress is, but she's She also... was great. I don't know her name either, but she was she was a highlight of the movie, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. It's interesting how, like, the uh, in this scene, too, there's also, like, some foreshadowing because it doesn't start out with her at the hospital and, like, they see someone come in who's been bitten but then, like, it's kind of, like, discarded, and she just goes home and watches TV with her husband. I think so, yeah. So this is maybe, like, a little bit of a, not a cheat, but it's not quite as, like, I don't know, that almost feels like two separate, like, a separate part of this sequence was her at the hospital. I mean, I, I think that's all cool, because this all happens, like, within five minutes, like, they yeah, set up it's, so it's, much context. Yeah, it's all pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, and I think it might be before the title sequence, and that that is one that's on a lot of lists. If you if you Google this, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I was kind of counting on you on, on mentioning that one. That was a good one. Yeah, man. So I guess we've each got our number two, and wow, it's time for number one already, right? And then we'll do our honorable honorable mentions. It is our time for our number one. Uh, do you think we're gonna have the same one? I think I will be very surprised if we don't have the same one. Okay. <laughs> I wonder how this happened, because, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's not the number one on the list, but yeah. So my number one was Scream, uh, and yeah, you know, I think, I know we reviewed this recently, and uh, just Drew Barrymore, her performance, the whole cat and mouse type of play, going from zero to ten, the tragic ending, the uh, playfulness, the banter, the gore that you get, the murder, uh, all amazing, and like the, probably like the best setup I've seen for a movie. Is, is this what you had for number one, too? Yeah, it is. Damn. All right. S- same reasons. Yeah. 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 So good. I know. And like tension really escalates well. Like it just starts off with the camera lingering on the windows, and we get some views from outside the house. So maybe something's up. 
And then when they're talking on the phone, he says, I want to know who I'm looking at. Then he says, I'll gut you like a fish. And then he calls her Blondie so we know he can actually see her. Then we learn that Steve's out there and then he's in the house and it's just like, it's a perfect ramp up of like things going wrong. Yeah. More and more wrong. And, and, and like the popcorn on the stove, like building the tension. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) You know, the popcorn on the stove thing today reminded me of parenthood when there's just like one extra thing going wrong that like really adds to your stress level. Yeah, like the fire alarm going off, the popcorn. Yeah. <laughs> so exactly. Yeah. It's usually it's well. just like if I'm like having a hard time and I'm on the edge of my patience with my kids, if like there's one other stimulus like interfering, that could be like the breaking point. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I think the popcorn was the breaking point in the scene. <laughs> exactly. Did yeah, I mean that, that's so cool that that uh, we both had this one. Uh do you feel like though uh like one weakness I see in this is when the killer like when we finally see the killer and he's wearing that mask. Uh that it's kind of silly, kind of goofy, but I mean it's also scary, I guess. But uh do you feel like it was like it it held with like the tension that was building up and now like you're seeing that ghost face killer kind of mask? This was the first time, I think, watch, I probably said the same thing last time, that I felt the mask looked a little silly and took a little bit away from the tension of this scene. Yeah, yeah, right, right. That, that, that's kind of what uh, I was But it's too. such an iconic mask now that it's it's hard to go back and think about it. I know, I know, like, now, like, that mask makes, like, so much sense and it's, like, an icon, but, uh, yeah, I, in the context of the scene with, like, everything dialing up slowly and, like, getting out of control, and then the villain comes in wearing this mask, it's, it's kind of now, like, kind of shocking, right, that, like, that, that would have been the mask they chose. Yeah, yeah, but it's still a great mask. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's silly and scary. Yeah, exactly. And then, what is more, uh, depressing or, like, traumatic than, like, hearing your daughter being murdered on the phone? Uh, oh my god, man! It's so gut wrenching. Yeah, that ending. And is wild. like they come in, they're screaming out for her daughter, and it's so sad too because she sees them. And oh yeah, it's driving like up, a good right? news, bad news action type thing. Like good yeah. news, her parents are home, but the bad news is now Ghostface is right next to her. <laughs> yeah, and he gets like a stab in her so, and she gets so close to him that they're like in the same frame. Yeah. But He's cut her throat so bad that she can't make a sound. Yeah, yeah. So she can't get her attention. And then, oh my God, yeah, listening to your daughter die on the phone. I know, I know. Back back when like you had the 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 landline phone, so you know like they're still like nearby, right? And like right, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Oh, and then as he like tells his wife to go get out of the house and like go to the neighbor's house, she just like looks at him and goes, "No, not my daughter." Yeah. Not my daughter. Like, yeah. it's just like she's in denial and it's so real and so sad. Yeah, yeah. So many amazing. It's such an emotional journey because it starts out as this like teen flirtation with a bit of humor. I know, I know. And then like good old fashioned horror movie suspense. And then you're kind of disgusted at the gory death of Steve. Yeah. And then it almost like gets too real. For, yeah, like, exactly. This fun teen <laughs> slasher. It's just like, holy shit. I know, I know. All in a matter of minutes. It's crazy. But really well yeah. done. And I don't know if we talked about how, in our episode on this, how great of a performance this was from Drew Barrymore. I know. I was thinking, like, uh, would you say this was the height of her career, this opening? I I think so, man. I mean, this is gold. Yeah, yeah. This is better than, like, 50 First Dates or anything. I've, I was all about it. It was good. Do you think... <laughs> she was uh, great in The Wedding Singer. Oh, yeah. The Wedding Singer was a good one. Do you feel like uh, the rest of the scream, like, do you feel like this was the peak of it, or do you feel like the rest of the movie, like, was able to, like carry the momentum or live up to this opening 
I love Scream, but this is the best part of the movie. It never gets better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a hard opening to top for sure. It's hard to top. I don't know how to top it. It's like a short film in itself, and it is perfect. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Oh, so good. Do you do you feel like uh, it's been a while since I've seen like part two, three, or four? I know they all kind of start with like this type of hook, but there's something special about this one, right? Like I don't think the other ones get anywhere near this one, do they? Um, I can't remember the hooks from the other ones, and I don't even know if I've seen three. Uh, the hook in the fourth one was pretty great in its own way. Really? What, what was that one? Um, I don't... It, it was kind of like a bunch of, like, scenes within a scene type situation. Mm, okay. It was very meta. It really leaned into the meta-ness. Yeah, yeah, right. And, th- and this one kind of had that meta with, like, the quiz that the guy was doing on, like, scary movies and stuff. Right, right. And, yeah, everyone talks about Scream being, like, the essential or groundbreaking meta slasher, but uh, yeah. it, they, they really lean harder into it in 4. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Yeah, I forget that one. Uh, but yeah, um, this is so good. Yeah, and Drew, like, she's a, uh, she's a full-blown character here, even though we're not with her for that long of a time. Like, yeah. she has agency, she makes decisions, uh, she makes some smart decisions, she fights back, she gets a kick in. Oh, yeah, right, right. Yep. One thing I thought that was interesting, and that kind of made her transcend just like a role of a victim not only her fighting back um and i i never know if i'm getting into dicey character or dicey territory when i analyze gender and horror mm-hmm. um but when she gets stabbed i notice that she like assesses her wound in this one like hmm. she looks at it and that just seems like historically in film kind of a very masculine thing to do. Oh, interesting. Like, you see that in war movies or when the hero in an action movie like gets hurt, like they check it out, yeah. assess the damage and and keep moving. Right, right, right. And I don't I can't really think of female victims in slasher movies doing that. If they do, it's maybe like just to have a look of awe and disgust yeah. um before they succumb. Um, yeah. So it was cool. I just felt like it gave her a little extra something and um, yeah. made her seem like less of a hapless victim and, and more like a fighter. Yeah, that, that's a really interesting small thing to like point out, but that, that is kind of huge, actually. Because, uh, yeah, yeah, I never pay attention to that kind of thing. But you're right, she kind of looks down and looks at it versus like just kind of uh, succumbing to it, right? Yeah, now that there's anything wrong with anybody succumbing to stab wounds <laughs> without analyzing them first now but it was just something interesting that stood out to me on this watch yeah yeah now, now you know how to get brian's attention <laughs> next time you get stabbed <laughs> instead of just reacting analyze just, your wound yeah analyze your wound before making assumptions about it <laughs> every time every time i watch a movie in a theater and someone dies without looking at their wound I go wuss <laughs> didn't even look at it <laughs> out loud in the theater yeah yeah <laughs> no that's a really good catch that makes a lot of sense I wonder how purposeful that was but uh yeah I know great 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 opening and great character there yeah cool that's that's the top five and uh I think we'll do honorable mentions we probably won't discuss them quite as in depth in the interest of time um do you have your honorable mentions in any sort of order? Uh, I don't, but uh, w- one question for you before we jump into those. I feel like on most lists, the number one opening scene I saw was Jaws. It seemed to be like universal. Like people think that's like the best opening scene. Did you watch the scene? Is, uh, did, did you consider this at all? 
Jaws is an honorable mention of mine. Ah, okay, okay. All right. So yeah, all right. You I, to... Did you watch it again? I, I, I watched something scene, yeah, but I was, I was confused uh, why, why everyone thought that was number one. Right. Okay. Here's some things I think that make that scene stand out. Okay. It, it's quick, simple, and to the point, and they, they probably could have added more buildup and suspense, but man, once she gets starts getting pulled around and screaming, it becomes very horrifying. She's getting water in her mouth yeah. and like down her throat, and like there's this horrible like gurgling and garbled like language that's spewing from her mouth as she screams from help for uh, help. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just like it gets kind of real. <laughs> okay. And then when she goes under, it's just absolute silence and the score cuts out oh okay, um, okay and that transition there is really effective sure okay Got and it. her screams are truly horrifying and and the mechanics of how we see her moving around it's yeah. it's solid man yeah 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 uh i i, I was just surprised like because you don't see the shark at all in this right in this opening scene no and then what happens to the guy who's like with her did do, do you see any closure there I think he just basically passed out on the shore. Oh. He was super drunk. Oh, he never even made it into the water? No. Oh, okay, okay, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, all right, cool. That's cool you had that as an honorable mention. Yeah, you know, Whitney brought it up when, when on our Discord server when we were talking about this. And I was like, oh, Whitney, bringing up Jaws again. <laughs> but I gave it a watch, and uh, damn if she wasn't right. Yeah, yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah, I, I think critics and like the, the the internet seems to agree that's like one of the top uh, opening scenes. Yeah, uh, throw me throw me in on men. Uh, oh, uh, that's <laughs> what we're calling them. <laughs> Hashtag on men. Uh, well, so you you already mentioned uh, I, I I had uh, the the uh, Dawn of the Dead remake as well, but you already mentioned that uh, it. I thought that's become kind of like an iconic opening with uh, Georgie uh, talking to Pennywise in the sewer and uh, just that back and forth dialogue they have there. Penny, Pennywise kind of like starting to growl and like uh, scare him and then obviously biting his arm off. Uh, thought that was a pretty impressionable opening scene. Yeah, yeah, that's on my list too. And you were, of course, talking about the 2017 remake. Um, yeah. <laughs> and we get some good character building and bonding between the brothers there, um, which actually comes back in the end to... Uh, be a little bit of a reveal and and expose some of uh his brother's guilt mm. yeah yeah right he kind of carries that with him throughout yeah yep. yeah so yeah man that's a great opening scene and i i think uh i think pennywise is pretty scary in that scene and it's also like seeing that in the theater where it's like all right they, they remade it let's see how it is and they bite a little kid's arm off in the yeah. first scene with blood everywhere it's yeah. kind of like a, a buckle buckle in type moment yeah 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 that part it, it takes you by surprise it's pretty shocking and like how his teeth kind of form and just bite the flesh off that's crazy yeah uh you haven't by any chance seen like the snl uh parody of it where it's like kelly on kellyanne conway in the sewer <laughs> I don't. I don't think I have. I'll, uh, I'll watch that immediately after we're done recording. Yeah, they do. They do a really good tribute, good production value and stuff. I'll, I'll, I'll send you the link. It's good. <laughs> All right. Uh, what about you? What, what else you got on your on men's? I've got. Don't look now. Don't look now. I, did we see that one? Yeah, with Donald Sutherland, and uh, here comes a spoiler for the opening. The his daughter dies at the uh, beginning. She oh. drowns in the creek. 
Oh yeah, oh that one, right, right. <laughs> yeah, I remember it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was a downer. Yeah, it is only an honorable mention because the sound design in it is kind of strange, and the visual cuts just don't quite match up or something. They're kind of herky jerky. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure in the era of digital editing, this would have gone smoother, but uh, it's just really gut wrenching and a very realistic reaction to your finding your daughter drown in a creek in your Mm -hmm. own backyard. Yeah. And I feel like I'm kind of putting it on there for a bit of like its influence as well. Like I think don't look now had an influence over like the hereditaries of the world, you know? Oh, for sure. Yeah. That whole kind of grief horror kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Uh, So, uh, so, so it made it. Yeah, no, great, great one. Uh, I remember, uh, was this the film where, like, uh, we talked about how, like, in all these, like, uh, movies of this era, the footsteps on the ground are always, like, a lot louder than they need to be? <laughs> that is the movie that, that we had that discussion in, yeah. The, okay. uh, the sound design in old movies really put a lot of emphasis on the sound people's shoes made as they were walking down hallways. <laughs> there was just that, like, one shoe guy that was hired for the shoes, for, like, the sound stuff. <laughs> So we, we it's just, yeah, it's the same guy. It's yeah. Mark for every job. <laughs> oh man, he, he like wheels in his collection of shoes. Yeah, exactly. Wood Are you floor? thinking loafer or sneaker for this scene? Yeah. I don't Wooden know, Mark. Floors, just carpets. <laughs> just make a sound with a shoe. Yeah, exactly. Uh, good times. Yeah, that's a good one. Good, good opening scene. That definitely sets the course for the whole movie. Indeed, indeed. Sets everything in motion. Uh, what's your next honorable mention? Uh, maybe, like, The Ring. Uh, I had that. I mean, that, that was a movie that, like, scared the shit out of me, and I uh, thought the opening was cool because, like, you have these two girls, uh, high school girls, I think, who are just kind of, like, bonding, uh, talking about, like, this idea of, like, a tape that's out there, and then, like, there's, like, water that they're finding, and, like, they're seeing, like, TVs turning on by themselves, and then ultimately, like, you're getting that high pitch. TV with like the picture of the well on it that becomes famous throughout the rest rest of the film, so uh, I thought I thought that was a pretty freaky and like a compelling opening. Do you remember that one at all? Yeah, and I rewatched it actually in compiling this list, and it, it didn't quite make the cut for me, but I'm glad it's on yours. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Not not scary enough for you. You know, I kind of like toggled through it to remind myself, and I was like, yeah, this is scary, but it's not on the list. Yeah, yeah, sure. sure. I'm sure I, I maybe should have watched it start to finish, but. But uh, time was of the essence. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Uh, hey, what's your next one? Um, my next one is Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Oh, what was the opening in that one? It's a kind of a weird one. It's like a maybe a bit of a stretch to call it the opening scene, just because it's like eight minutes long and um, it's just kind of like a day in the life type mode. But you see him like eat at a diner and drive around a little bit and it's interspliced with these crime scenes of everybody that he's killed oh cool um just in this past few days or whatever yeah on in his little life as henry um but the very first shot of the movie is just a a dead woman a dead naked woman in like a grassy field with birds chirping and like one synthesizer chord that's just like held down um Mm -hmm which we hear every time they show one of these crime scenes. And it's just a really effective, gritty introduction to the movie. It, oh. It's the whole vibe of the movie is right there in the opening. It's That's it's awesome. stark and just kind of like nakedly brutal and gritty. 
Yeah, yeah. That's great. I, I There's a, a discomfort to this movie, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. That's really cool. I got to go back and see that. Yeah, that, that, the movie, like, uh, that, that's so interesting. Cause I feel like that movie was, like, really, the pacing was, like, so, like, realistic and, like, almost, like, everyday, just, like, normal stuff. But, like, yeah, you see these really disturbing and, like, uh, yeah, really, uh, uh, like, yeah, messed up things, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a very, there is one scene in there that is just still tops one of the most disturbing things i've ever seen on on in a movie top 10 for sure Ooh, that could be a, a podcast uh, episode later top 10. yeah man we gotta watch more like uh new french extremity type stuff before ah. we can make a list like that Damn. and we gotta we gotta there's some things we've been putting off that we got to check out do we have to watch that stuff if we want to make a list like that then yeah 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 I'll, a I'll, list I'll that's just, worth a damn yeah i might just have to google that one <laughs> that's, that's rough uh, so wait, did you did you get everything out? Have you have you uh, uh, have you named ten movies? You know, I, I had a Quiet Place, which you talked about, uh, and then I think the only other one was the Evil Dead remake. I remember enjoying that opening a lot because uh, I, I think uh, there's a guy who's like about to kill a woman, and you think like uh, he's just like about to kill like an innocent person, but then she turns into this like demonic uh, uh, creature, and then. Um, kind of like escalates really quick so i i really liked uh, that one in the in the remake yeah yeah good good choice yeah what, what about you any other ones on your side oh i'm gonna sound like a broken record but it follows oh really yeah that's another one that really it sets the rules for the movie but you don't know that it is yeah um so it's really intriguing and well done it is yeah yeah I, I, I thought about that one. It, it, it's, it's like, so uh, open. Like, you don't know. Like, I, I think that opening makes a lot of sense when you see the rest of the movie. But on its own, it's just, like, it puts so many questions in your head, right? Like, what what was she running from? What was the scary thing, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think good kind of questions. Uh, Suspense-building questions. Yeah, And, like, yeah. okay, I'm listening. It follows sure. type questions. Like, sure, let, Let's yeah. see where this goes. You've got my attention. And another really touching... Uh, surprisingly real intimate moment not unlike the uh, mother grieving and scream not nearly as harsh but that girl on the phone with her dad uh, when she knows she's gonna die and she's just like i'm sorry i'm such a shit to you and mom sometimes i don't yeah. know why i do that it was just like a really honest moment i i love it yeah that, that was a good scene and yeah i love how they like jump right into it too that, that yeah that's great yeah and the score score shines bright and uh it's great yeah yep ends like she's like on a beach or something right yeah, with her body all bent different ways. Yeah, mangled up. That's a good one. Cool, man. I think cool. I think we both named ten movies. I think that's <laughs> a good list. It's probably like fifteen movies at least we named. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not not bad. And uh, yeah, I think we hit some like ones that aren't often mentioned. I think on these lists. So uh, nice job. Cool. Well, we're at about an hour. We'll see how the. Uh, ask us anything type stuff goes but maybe we'll be able to keep this as one episode Let, let's see how it is i think so yeah let's let's give it a shot okay um let's see here for our first question i will <laughs> we'll take this one from big turkey orgy that brian watches 54 from our discord <laughs> server that's that's his name that's that's his name. It was Big Turkey, and then I I shared a story about how one morning my wife and I woke up to a strange noise outside, and there were a bunch of turkeys having sex outside of our window. So, 
Oh, man. So now a big turkey's name is Big Turkey Orgy that Brian watches. <laughs> 54. Oh, man, that's a good story. The 54th story. orgy I viewed that day. Damn. <laughs> that's so good. So good. Uh, so, yeah, man, what are what are some of your favorite non-horror movies? Oh, uh, yeah, th- this is a great question. Uh, you know, I, I thought about like some of my favorite directors like uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, the Coen brothers. Um, so I, I, I think uh, like There Will Be Blood is one of my favorites uh, of all time. And then like a No Country for Old Men and like The Big Lebowski, I, I love those. And then um, I think there's one like really great Marvel film I like too, like Black Panther. I thought, I thought that was a great like action film with like a lot of layers to it. So I, I feel like those kind of make my like top three or four films. Uh, what about you? Nice, uh, boy. I thought Black Panther was really overrated though. What? Are you serious? Yeah, man. It was just like any other Marvel movie. I, I didn't get what the deal was. Oh, I, I mean, thought... aside for like props for. For like an all black cast and the representation and everything, but uh, I didn't see how it was such a flawless movie to be nominated for best picture. That that blew my mind. Oh, it was nominated for best picture. I, I think I, I believe so. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know. I feel like it was like the first Marvel movie to like hit on like some social uh, issues. Like and even beyond the cast, like I feel like they were addressing like some of the like minority status in in the U.S. and stuff. So it kind of just went like deeper a little bit than like most Marvel movies. Sure. Uh, but, yeah. Totally yeah. fair. Well, what about you? What are some of your favorites? Uh, I went back to like my ages 8 to 13 for this answer. Because <laughs> uh, it's hard for me to think of like real favorites for like intelligent adult movies because I rarely rewatch things these days. Um, but Wayne's World is one of my favorite movies. Oh, nice. Classic. Uh, the Crow. Oh, man. And... I was a big fan of like Ace Ventura one and two and Cable Guy and those I still hold those in high esteem. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the Dark Knight and V for Vendetta are two like other comic booky action movies I I really love. Yeah, man. I feel like out of comic book movies, those two are like some of the top ones. Yeah, those are great. All right, next question. There were some questions in here that may have been jokes, but we're gonna go ahead and answer them. Um, how do you cook your steaks from Feed the Machine 94 from our Discord server? <laughs> you know, uh, I don't really cook a lot of steaks. Like, my, my it, 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 like I feel like the few times we've done it, my wife's always cooked it. But if I was were to go out and, like, order a steak, I think I would, I would go with, like, medium rare. Because I feel like you need a little pink in there to get, like, the to, to appreciate the, the, the meat and stuff. But what, what about you? Yeah, I think medium rare is usually where I'm at. Every once in a while, I want to go a little bit toward, more towards medium. Because I feel like it has a slightly, slightly more flavor. Yeah. Um, but I oscillate. So I don't cook a lot of steak either. I haven't really eaten much meat in the past year. But when I did cook them, and even then I didn't cook them much, I would let it sit overnight in the fridge without any packaging so that like the outside of it dries out a bit. Oh, interesting. Well, it's like raw. Yeah. Yep. And then I'd bring it to room temperature on the kitchen counter for a couple of hours, and then I would turn my grill on high and leave a cast iron skillet in the grill and then put butter directly on both sides of the steak and cook it in that skillet for just a few minutes on each side. Wow. Yeah, I'll have to write that down. That sounds like a really good recipe. Yeah, usually it came out fairly well. I, I think the, the goals, what I've read, is to get it to room temperature to because it can get tough if you just like put it on there ice cold. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. I have this phobia about like putting raw meats like uncovered, like just exposed in the fridge. So I always assume like it like sends like a uh, bacteria to like all the other foods in the fridge. Is that not true? 
I don't think it does if it's not touching the other foods in the fridge, but I'm not totally sure. I'm not as bacteria phobic. Maybe I am more now post pandemic, but uh, yeah, you know, I'll I'll eat like raw eggs and, and drinks and stuff like that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I do uh, eggnog every now and then with rocks. Uh Yeah, no, I, thought, I think you're onto something. That sounds like a really good uh, recipe for making steaks. Yeah. All right, well, thanks, Feed the Machine. Uh, next question is, again, Big Turkey Orgy. He, he's got a question, Orgy. He asks us a lot of questions, so <laughs> thank you, Big Turkey. Is he? Uh, is he he's, he's Canadian, right? Yeah, he is. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Yeah. Uh, he says, I've always been curious about what you guys do for day jobs, but I'm not sure if that is appropriate. Like, is Ashvin a professional musician? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, oh, am I? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. That, that term, like, professional musician, I, I'm not sure exactly uh, what that means. Uh, but, like, yeah, on the side sometimes, like, I've, I've sold uh, music to, like, uh, uh, others who, like, work in, like, the film industry or something. Uh, just, like, kind of side things, like, one-off jobs uh, on that end. But... No, for for day to day, I unfortunately like I do something pretty boring. I, I work in like finance as a product manager, uh, on like investment products. Uh, so that's not very interesting. I it's always good for me to get get a reminder on what exactly you do too. <laughs> I really, and it, you're you're like more in accounting, right? Well, yeah, I majored in accounting, and I started my career doing corporate accounting. Moved into accounts payable for a while, which is simply all the accounting that comes with paying vendors. And now what I do, I'd probably call data analysis. I basically just organize data in Microsoft Excel all day. Ah, cool. I love Excel, man. Excel is so much fun. I love it too, man. I, yeah. I really do. You ever you ever mess with Tableau? No, no, but I've, I've been told I should. I've used Power BI, which I think might be a little bit similar. Yeah, yeah. I think these are similar types of tools, yeah, where you can kind yeah. of visualize data and stuff. Yeah. Um, before we lose any more listeners, maybe we should move away from that. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I was thinking it's interesting because like whenever we talk about like box office numbers of films, uh, I think it's kind of fun to do like some of the math on it. Um, so, I would yeah. love to connect a Power BI report to Box Office Mojo and get some <laughs> great stats going that way. If I had I all the time in the world, I would like I would do that and then like publish the findings on our website. Yeah, I, I think there's an audience out there for like financial analysis of like these horror films or something. They're oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, if, if I had all the time, yeah, I would do that. What's your contribution margin on these movies? Exactly. Yeah. Um. Oh, this is a good time to plug your music, Ashwin. You have an album on Spotify from the band. The band name is Supervisor. Yeah, yeah. I think I think we have one or two albums out there on on Spotify and on like Bandcamp and SoundCloud. Um, I think I think that's it, right? Yeah, you've got more albums on Bandcamp. Oh, yeah, 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 some of the older ones. Than you do on Spotify. And on Spotify, there's one, a song about Imogen Poots. Right. And and her horror exploits, so y'all should check that out. Yeah, and if you know her, send that song to her, because I'd like to get her input. (laughs) We gotta get that into her hands so that she (laughs) can officially file a restraining order. And Ashwin did our intro music, so props to you for that, man. I love our intro music. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, yeah, let let me know when you get tired of it. I'll I'll try to come up with another one. Never, man. Although it was fun. We spiced it up at some point. Yeah, yeah, but, but you did our break music, and I feel like you've written like some amazing songs uh, specific to horror that I hope we can share sometime, like Lazy Ghost, uh, I Want to Die Outside. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty garbage compared to your music, so I'm not sure if I'll ever share that, but uh, yeah, I did do the new, the newer transition, and I guess we started that maybe around episode 100 or something. 
Yeah, yeah. And, and you and I, I feel like, have, uh, like, jammed together, like, pretty, like, that was, like, one of the things that brought us together, right, is kind of jamming in a basement together. Yeah, yeah, buddy. There's an origin story question later. Maybe we'll touch on that. That's some more. Sounds good. Um, I, my Another goal, if I had all the time in the world, I would do those horror movie stats, and I would work with you on, like, a horror-themed album. Oh man, that would be awesome. It'd be so fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I yeah, let's let's plan on that for the long term. That can All happen. Cat right. uh, on Twitter asks, "Have you watched Leatherface 20, 2017 As it gives some background on him, as discussed on last year's Texas Chainsaw Massacre episode. Uh, also, Wolf Creek for us Aussie fans. There are eight movies in the Texas Chainsaw franchise. I think, Ashvin, we've both only seen three, right? The first one, the second one, and the remake from 2003. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We got um, we got to come up with an approach to tear through some of these franchises. Yeah, I know, like, I know. I enjoy chipping away at them slowly, but I think if we want to get to that nerd level, we got to f- come up with a, a way to put our foot on the gas or we'll, we'll never check all the boxes for all the major franchises. I know, I know. Especially like Friday the 13th, like we only wait like till the Friday the 13th to actually check them out. And yeah, Texas Chainsaw, like we're hitting on like sequel Septembers. But yeah, I wonder if we like devote a month here and there to like a a whole franchise or something. Yeah, or maybe like cut down on our research for an episode or maybe even the plot walkthrough and just like watch two movies in a franchise and review them both. Ooh, I like that idea. Just like, yeah, walk through. Yeah, that, that seems great. Yeah, I know. Um, I, and I know there's another question about franchises stuff too, which I, I feel like is a big blank spot for me. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I had a hard time answering that question as well. Yeah. Uh, old Man JB from our Discord server says, What is the first movie you both remember watching in theaters? Man, this was uh, so hard to track down. Like, uh, I, I went to, and I feel like it's the year 1990, but there are like two or three films that could have been the first one. Uh, I think for me, it was either like Dick Tracy or Home Alone. Uh, but what, what about you? Oh, wow. Dick Tracy. Yeah. And Home Alone. <laughs> Boy, it was hard for me to recall as well. My first memory, I think, is of seeing the Garbage Pail Kids movie. What year was that? I don't know. I should have looked up the release here, man. Oh, okay, okay. I, I missed that movie. Was it good? Maybe I'll do that uh, as a live thing right now. But there was a scene in that movie. My aunt took me and my cousins to it. Uh-huh. And there's a scene where some one character is peeing down into a sewer <laughs> and it's getting on another character who's down in the sewer. Oh man. <laughs> oh man. It came out in 1987. So I would have been four. That's definitely the first thing I saw in a theater. Really? Wow. Four years old. Uh, got taken to the theater. Yeah. So that peeing scene was enough for my aunt to just grab us all by our wrists and pull us out of the theater. <laughs> that peeing scene. That's and funny. it's funny because we had a theater in our mall and that's the only movie I have a memory of seeing at that mall. And it's probably because I'm guessing my parents probably wouldn't have taken to me to a movie at that yeah. age, but we're probably fine with my aunt doing it. And then the theater got turned into a Claire's in a department store or something after oh, that. So I, of course. I never went to a movie at that mall again. Which Which mall was this? Summit Mall in uh, West Akron, Fairlawn area. Yeah, yeah, I love Summit Mall. That's, that's a good one. Yeah, there's no theater yeah. there anymore, right? No, no more theater, but the mall has gotten better. Yeah, yeah, it has gotten better. Uh, yeah, so interesting, because uh, I, I don't know, like, I mean, you have kids. Like, what age do you start taking kids to movies at? Like, I, I was surprised, like, 1990 was, like, the earliest I could remember, but is that right? Like, around, like, six or seven years old is, like, when you'd start going to a movie? 
I think that's common. I mean, it's. I don't think it would be... Like, my kid just turned four. I could see taking him to a movie. He's very sensitive about loud noises, so I wouldn't mm-hmm. take him. But if he wasn't like that, then I would take him to see, like, the new Frozen movie or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Got it. And so it sounds like you were in the theaters at least, like, by the age of four. Yeah, but then I don't... Th- I think that was kind of like a one-off, and I probably wasn't really going regularly again until, like, seven or eight. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Um... Another question from Old Man JB. Um, what was the first horror movie with strong... Wait, what was the first horror or movie with strong horror elements that you remember seeing in theaters? Yeah, and he mentioned uh, Jurassic Park, right? In this he question. did, yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of thought that would be it, but really like the first one that I remember seeing that stuck with me, uh, I snuck into Species, I think, when I was um, young and uh yeah obviously i was trying to see some breasts in there but um it kind of scared me quite a bit but yeah i i I think i I might have seen that one uh as as, like the first like proper horror film i don't know if i would consider jurassic park though i guess that is kind of a monster film right yeah i consider jurassic park a horror film yeah yeah i guess uh really like you would review that on this podcast yeah i would I, I think it would be fun to review because we could argue why it's a horror film or yeah, why it's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that'd be cool. Uh, what, what about you? What, what was yours? Um, oh, and by the way, before I forget, Old Man JB is Jason of the podcast called Press Rewind, a Prince Lyrics podcast. If you are a Prince fan, you need to go listen to that podcast. It is so thorough and well-researched, and it's really interesting. Yeah. Um, mine was Jurassic Park. Oh, nice. It was a summer after third grade, and I went with my best friend at the time, Billy, and his whole family to the drive-in in their wood-paneled station wagon, and we saw Jurassic Park, and I was blown away. Oh, yeah, yeah, man. That one in theaters, that was, that was like, game-changing, right? Yeah, and it was kind of cool to be in a car for the, uh, like, that T-Rex car scene. It's just so incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we probably weren't in the car. I think we probably had, like, folding chairs or, like, sitting on the trunk of the car or something but uh yeah, yeah it was an awesome experience that's awesome that's awesome gravedigger 25 says a uh, movie that scared you guys the most yeah i i had a, a few here because I, I feel like the, the ones that really scared me over time were uh like movies like the exorcist the ring paranormal activity the strangers and then most recently like the dark and wicked i feel like these were some of oh and i guess it follows like i, I feel like those are all pretty scary uh to me what, what about you I had this, the strangers was the first thing that came to mind. Um, Mm -hmm. that's the most scared I think I've been in a theater. And then some of the movies that we have covered on the podcast that got under my skin would be the dark and the wicked sinister. And that one called interior that was just a low budget thing. Free on prime. Yeah. Something about that creeped me out. Yeah. I remember that was a pretty scary one. Yeah. And maybe terrified. Oh yeah. AKA Atorados. Yeah. That was also very scary. Right. But man, if I go back to my childhood, Pet Cemetery scared the hell out of me. Oh, I forgot about like those old school Stephen King movies. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, man. That scene where uh, someone cuts the guy's leg from behind, like under the mm-hmm. bed. Yep. <laughs> that was traumatic. For sure. <laughs> good, good one. Yeah. Uh, Mike L from our Discord server says, "When are you going to watch <laughs> Predator?" And he's referring to my recent shameful admission on our Army of the Dead episode that I've never seen Predator. 
Ashwin, should we cover that one sometime this summer? It sounds like we need to like do that ASAP. <laughs> Maybe we should get that down as quick as possible. We've got yeah. some new movies that are like theater movies we need to cover too. So Yeah, yeah. We'll get those in Predator this month. That's like top priority. Yeah, and you have seen Predator. I have, man, like multiple times. Uh, I, I assumed you had too, so that was, that was kind of quite a revelation. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, everybody. Um, <laughs> Hina from our Discord server asks... This one was really hard for me. Who would be your three dream dinner guests, living or dead? Yeah, this is so hard. Like, do people even want to have dinner with other people these days? Is that, is that <laughs> dude? Why? That was my thought exactly. I was like, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, just give me give me a nice steak, and I yeah I don't, I don't need to sit down with anyone. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, this is a great question. Hard to pick, and I'm curious what others are. But um, yeah, I mean, the three I kind of randomly came up with was uh, I try to think like artists and stuff, and people who I've like admired in like the the industry so like uh, maybe like a freddie mercury i, I just feel like he had like great um, musicianship and like a stage presence and uh you know he had a whole like very interesting backstory where he was like born in i think uh, a country in africa and then you know like a upbringing in the uk so uh just a really interesting guy and then uh, i'm a big fan of like aziz ansari so i, I feel like it'd be great to like kind of meet him and like uh, he seems like a funny guy and then third place i was struggling but i picked you brian i, fi- I figured you'd be good in that crowd <laughs> I, yeah man i thought of that too i was like i think at this point in time i'd just like to sit down with like three of my closest friends oh nice is, is that the direction you went in no i tried to actually answer it but i did go a weird direction uh, where'd you go uh, my grandpa who passed away a few years ago i yeah. he fought in world war ii and i always wanted to like sit down interview him about his life and record it Oh yeah, uh, and just like about living in a very different world than the one we're in, and I, I wish I had gotten the chance to do that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So I'd kind of use this as an opportunity to go back in time and do that. Um, sorry, these are like sentimental. Oh. And then number two would be my great grandma who passed away when I was three, just because yeah. she sounds like a real character, and she emigrated from Italy. So same thing with her. I'd love to just like hear more about her life. Sure. Yeah. And number three, Jesus. Oh man, I thought about him too. Though, wh- wh- what was your reason? <laughs> well, I've mentioned before, people might be sick of me dropping this every once in a while. I don't mention it that often, but I feel like it's a touchy point. But I grew up religious. I'm not so much anymore, but I'd still just like to meet Jesus, see what all the hype was about. Then I could come out of that dinner and tell you if he's overrated, underrated, or just rated. You're just rated. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. That's yeah, funny. he gets the credit he's due. Yeah, yeah. My my rationale was uh, one: you don't have to buy wine; like your drinks are covered, right? Because he's going to turn <laughs> all the water into wine. And then two: like you got a magician at the table, so now like uh, that covers like a lot of entertainment potentially. But then, yeah, I, I think you're also right. Like uh, just being able to say how rated he is uh, would be valuable too. Yeah, and we're both getting in our late thirties. I'm sure he's got. We've got something he could heal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That'd be pretty cool too. <laughs> but I don't mean to make a, a joke about it. I, I, I'm serious. He's a, regardless of what you believe, an interesting historical figure. So yeah, yeah, for sure. That's cool, man. I mean, interesting. You went the sentimental route. I, my wife was kind of like, yeah, why, why wouldn't you mention like your family or something? But uh, I figured I'd stick to like pop art culture or whatever. I think we probably both spent more time on these questions than we <laughs> than we needed. To. Like I was like, whoa, these yeah. are hard. I know. I know. Um, these are these are tough. Speaking of hard questions, or maybe it's really easy, Evil Coop from our Discord server, uh, who's really not so evil after all, he asks, K 
can we get y'all's definitive all-time John Goodmans of horror, both male and female? Listeners, we've got this weird inside joke in our Discord server where Whitney kept confusing every actor with John Goodman, and somehow John Goodman ended up being the name of any actor that we have a crush on. So like, oh yeah, that's my John Goodman. Oh, okay, that's what it is. Okay. Yeah. Did you not know that? Uh, I just thought it was like people we thought were good looking, but like, uh, I I guess a crush is like... Yeah, I mean, crush or somebody you just think is hot, whatever. Okay, okay, got it, yeah. Uh, what, I feel like I can guess your horror movie, female John Goodman. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm notorious about, uh, Imogen Poots, I, but I, just because I feel like she's a little underrated and, like, kind of under the radar, but I feel like, uh, I, I don't know, I was, I was kind of between her and, uh, Anya, uh, Taylor-Joy, who I feel like is blowing up lately. She's obviously, like, really talented and, uh, amazing at, like, horror, and I just feel like has, like, this physique that, like, lends itself to, like, these characters that she portrays. So, uh, yeah, I was, I was really stuck between those two, but somewhere, uh, one of those two, I guess. What about you? You wish you were stuck between those two? <laughs> yeah. God, I hate myself very, now. Very tough place to be. Over in the episode. <laughs> uh, I had a hard time with this one, and I went with Jane Levy as Mia in Evil Dead. Oh, In wow. the Evil Dead remake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She I was... Just, always thought she was super cute like back on that when she did that suburbia show and i was probably like a preteen or something Mm -hmm. um i'm guessing she's probably about our age um but i loved her in the mirror role and uh this might be tmi for listeners but i might have a weird thing when uh when ladies look like demons in horror movies (laughs) yeah Uh, is she is she like the final girl of evil dead uh Oh my god, I forget how Evil Dead ends. Yeah, yeah, she is. Okay, yeah, she's like the main character, right? Yeah. And she's she also in, uh, like, uh, the other one? Don't Breathe. Uh, don't Breathe, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Who is uh, your male John Goodman? Uh, you know, I went with uh, the guy from Get Out. I think his name is Daniel oh. um, Kaluuya? Kaluuya. Yeah, yeah. Kaluuya? What, what'd you, how'd you say it? Oh, Kaluuya, I think, or Kalua? Yeah, 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 that guy. I, yeah, I, I almost went with him too, man. He's a oh, handsome okay. dude. Who, who who'd you go with? It was a toss-up for me between Colin Farrell as the vampire neighbor in the Fright Night remake, mm. and Ryan Reynolds as George Lutz in the Amityville Horror remake. Oh, oh those, nice. those abs when he's chopping that wood, man. Yeah, and that vest that he wears. <laughs> you invest. Yeah, yeah. They just pull it off, man. It looks so good. Uh, what are your horror movie holes? Asks Big Turkey Orgy. The Brian watches fifty four. <laughs> I love that uh, term, horror movie holes. I feel like you drop that all the time. Uh, I do. I think it's become a thing that people make fun of me for how often I say holes. Yeah, yeah. All the holes you got to fill. <laughs> Uh, for for me, uh, I think some of the big ones are like Troll Hunter. I, I keep hearing that one mentioned. I've never seen that. Uh, anything associated with Lovecraft? I think someone just called us out on Discord for not like knowing. Uh, like people always mentioned that to me, and I was like, "Yeah, Lovecraft," and I've, I have no idea what they're talking about. And then uh, some of the sleepaway camps uh, as well. Like I, I feel like I need to see those. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, I feel like we've gotten most of the big name stuff out of the way, aside from Predator. Mm-hmm. Um, that's mine, Predator. <laughs> but like. For me, my biggest holes are movies in the middle and back end of major franchises. Oh, yeah. 
And the less widely known films from the big directors like Carpenter, Craven, and Cronenberg, like Christine, Last House on the Left, The Brood, those movies specifically I haven't seen, but also just like a bunch of movies in their filmography that are kind of big deals to horror fans that I haven't seen yet. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm with you on those. The uh, Others is another movie I feel I oh, should the see. Others. I still have not seen that. With like Nicole Kidman? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's been years since I've seen that. Um, the uh, Christine, that was John Carpenter? Yes. Okay. Oh, cool. That's awesome. Based on the Saving King book? Yeah, so it's a Carpenter King... Uh, duo there so we should we should review that one yeah yeah that'd be cool mike l asks what are your guilty pleasure horror movies yeah for this this one i kind of just resorted to like some of those 90s ones like uh jeepers creepers urban legends screams i know what you did last summer like just kind of like those teen flicks where uh horror might have uh it was kind of like cheap horror i guess but um yeah i feel like those are kind of fun to watch from time to time because they're not very scary yeah that's a good answer yeah what about you I couldn't really think of one. I said Black Christmas 2019 because <laughs> I thought that movie was a lot of fun and wasn't as heavy-handed with the social commentary as everyone else thought. Yeah. And uh, I, I like it, and I, I feel crazy. It's more like a crazy pleasure because I feel I must be crazy because I liked it so much. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> you are crazy for liking it so much. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, that movie got a lot of hits, uh, or a lot of like heat uh, for, for like not being uh, very likable, but I feel like you were one of the bigger defenders. Yes, yes I was and I will be in Shelby. Nice. First horror movie you watched from Big Turkey or do the Brian watches 54? Uh first one I remember is like Gremlins or Tremors, one of those. What about you? Yeah, I think Gremlins is mine too. Okay, nice. First hardcore horror movie was Halloween at like 10 or something like that. Oh, like on uh, First one on... I remember. I feel like I had seen horror before that, but that's like the first memory of like an all-out horror movie I've seen. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Nice. That's a good one. Good first one to see. Yeah. Um, let's see. First horror movie you took a date to from Big Turkey Orgy that Brian watches 54. I feel <laughs> obligated to read the name in full every time. <laughs> every time. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, first horror movie you took a date to. Uh, you know, I, I struggle to remember this one because um, I'm, I'm sure there are earlier ones, but the ones that are like most memorable are like maybe Scream 2 or saw or the grudge i feel like those were like all kind of like group dates uh that went down and i remember with the grudge uh you know we went home and then i remember like calling this girl and like making the weird noise that the character on the grudge makes and then <laughs> we obviously never met again but that was uh those that those like one of the earlier memories what about you that'll do it yeah. you know i don't think i've ever taken a date to a horror movie really yeah that's like the thing to do though with horror films I know, right? I'm, I never did it. I never... I dated one girl who really liked horror movies, um, but instead of going to the theater, we'd always uh, watch at home. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Like, we'd yeah. uh, Netflix and chill, which yeah. I recently learned meant sexual things. <laughs> what do you mean you recently learned that? I just thought it meant watch Netflix and chill. Oh, man. Everyone <laughs> on the Discord server has given me shit about it. <laughs> That's hilarious. Like, just two weeks ago, I was like, What? <laughs> Up until two weeks ago, we thought Netflix and Chill actually meant just like watching Netflix. And Why would I think it meant anything else? They used it in their marketing. Uh, who Netflix did? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know they marketed. That's interesting. <laughs> That's hilarious, man. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. No, yeah, I think I think you're right. Like that, that was like a bigger thing to do back in like the '90s. Is like you get a scary movie and you watch it at home, right? Yeah, I mean, well, this was this was late 2000s. 
Oh, okay, okay. We're in the late two thousands. Yeah, when like streaming was was starting to become like so prevalent that it was like, why well, go to the theater? But but you watched a scary film with like a date before the late two thousands, I assume. Yeah, yeah. Always at home. Always at home. Yeah, yeah. And right. rarely, rarely, because nobody I dated before before the late two thousands liked horror. Yeah, yeah. I know, I know. It's it's a, hard to find that match, I guess. Yeah. Uh, how about Mike L says how about the first movie you and Ashvin saw like an origin story and Ashvin do you know what the first horror movie we saw together was Uh, I was hoping you'd have the answer on this one I I, I didn't know did you know I think it was the Evil Dead remake with a group of friends in Chicago wow like in 2013 or something yeah oh wow cool and uh, on the origin story maybe we could give a quick origin of our friendship for those who are still hanging on with this super long episode um we met, so a friend of mine in college went to high school with you. Right. And we met because me and this guy, Bojo, played music together, and you came over to his house one day and brought, like, your synthesizer and jammed with us, right? Uh, I think so, yeah. I think like, I, remember, I remember that. Like, it was, like, over the one summer or something, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then we just kind of stayed in touch through that, and then eventually we lived in Chicago together, but not until, like, I don't know, three or four years later? Yeah, probably like early 2010s, I guess, yeah. Yeah, and then we, we found out we both liked horror movies, and we started uh, Netflix and chilling. Right, right. I used to have <laughs> you in my phone as, like, Cool Brian. I'd always ask uh, Bojo, like, oh, is Cool Brian going to be there? Uh, <laughs> so it, I, I just remember you'd uh, like to walk very long distances. I think once you walked, like, uh, eight miles to his house. Is that right? Uh, I did. I walked to his, I walked 20 miles to his house. Oh, my God. <laughs> Amazing, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, 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 I think you're right. That that covers the origin story pretty well. And there's a theory that uh, we were both born at the same hospital about a month apart back in 1980s. Um, there's a chance we might have overlapped, but I, I still yeah, because you said that. you had to stay in the hospital for a really long time. So we may have been in the we may have been next to each other as little babies yeah. in our little tubes. Yeah, right, right. I'll, I'll I'll find out the answer soon. Yeah, find that out. That's important. Yeah, that is that changes everything. All right, here is a tough question from our friend Jordan, Jordo Wolfgang von Frankenhooker on Discord. He says, I'd love to hear you and Ashvin do a little exercise. If you had one chance to come up with the plot of a film, a producer came up to you and said, I will make whatever you want. You just come up with the plot and create the script. What would your movie be about? And who would you cast? You can just do a male and female protagonist and whatever antagonist of your choice or just instead of an antagonist, like any quantity of monsters as your antagonist, and what would that monster be? Wow, yeah. It was this, really hard. This was really hard, man. I uh, I feel like we've talked about a number of ideas on this show. It was hard to like kind of pick one and run with it. Um, but the one I landed on was like, uh, you know, we, we've talked about like some slashers, and I, I like that format, and like if... Uh, tying it to maybe some kind of like social context would be really cool like the way zombie movies do so the best thing I could come up with was like uh, a bar in like a, a neighborhood that like is starting to like uh, trend or something or it's like on the up-and-coming neighborhood where you have uh, people who go to this bar and then they're getting murdered it's so, like there's like some kind of like slasher there and it's like all these hipsters getting killed and uh, it turns out that the killer is like someone who's like fighting against gentrification or something and uh, kind of has like that kind of like so- social element to it. 
Um, it would star Ben Affleck, because I hate that guy, and I'd love to see him killed. And then <laughs> uh, the murderer would be... Um, I'd love to have uh, Anna uh, or Anna de Armas, uh, who he used to date, but isn't dating oh, anymore, thankfully. Nice. Yeah. I love so, that. Yeah, that, that would be the concept. What about you? What would you come up with? You just got to be careful not to go too heavy-handed on the commentary, or you could become Black Christmas 2019. Oh, yeah, yeah. Don't want to go overboard there. Right? I'll still love you. All right, thanks, man. I can count on you. <laughs> um, so I do actually have a fleshed-out idea, but I keep telling myself I'm going to write the screenplay for it, so I'm hesitant to give it away. Oh, man. But if All I right. haven't written it in five years, I'll share it. Okay. Wow, that's really cool. I didn't realize you were working on something in the back. Oh, I'm not working on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just an idea. <laughs> it's just an idea. Yeah. Uh, it's a zombie movie, so not very original, but it's got some slight shakeups on the zombie tropes and the zombie rules that might spice it up a bit. Is this the jogging zombies we talked about? Uh, no, no. Okay, all right. <laughs> you I, get, you, that's the only route to go now, in between slow and fast. Jogging. I know, I know. I, was, I, was, I almost went with that idea, but yeah, that, that's cool, man. Cool concept. <laughs> Uh, blood-soaked sweatbands everywhere. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, So for this one, I did the exercise, and I was thinking I want to have some sort of, like, urban apocalyptic film on par with I Am Legend, Mm. but I want it to be a female lead played by Anya Taylor-Joy, who has become a badass survivor and is, like, one of the few survivors after some biblical event, and instead of zombies or weird vampiric creatures or anything like that. The monsters are demons. And then it maybe has something to do with like the devil or hell taking over the earth because demons still scare me. Yeah. Yeah. And the demons can disguise themselves as normal people. It's kind of like evil dead or may the devil take you where they can suddenly go demon mode. Mm-hmm. Like it's like body snatch, body snatcher type demon thing. Sure. Where they like look normal, but then they get their demons. Yeah, yeah, and maybe she's got to go on, like, some adventure to find a sacred object to rid the world of these things, and uh, maybe the people she meets along the way may eventually succumb to possession, and she'll have to deal with that. Uh, Yeah. Cool. I love it, man. That's awesome. I'm surprised that's not a movie yet. That seems like a really good, like, a plausible plot. All right. All right, I'll get to work on that in uh, six years after I write my zombie movie. (laughs) Yeah, I'm really curious what the zombie idea is. I mean, I'll share it with you privately. All right. You can tell me if it sucks. Okay. Sounds good. Um, Okay. Ian B. asks, if you could go back and stop a film from being made for a franchise, what would you get rid of? He said mine would be Alien 3, more time and money, and they could have done something much better. Yeah, I I probably agree with that. Uh, I haven't seen it. It's been a while since I've seen Alien 3. But uh, I, I had put uh, what we'd recently seen, the, the remake for Texas Chainsaw Massacre with uh, Jessica Biel back in like the early 2000s or something. I, I didn't think that was necessary, and it kind of uh, took away from like what I loved so much about the original. Um, so I, I don't know if that counts, but that was, that was my uh, pick there. What about you? Oh, really? Okay, okay. Uh, this one at first seemed like it would be hard, and then I was like, oh, there's an obvious answer for me, and that is the Nightmare on Elm Street remake. Oh, that okay. from 2010, I think. That was just yeah. hot garbage to me, and it totally killed the spirit and the essence of Freddy. Yeah. I get that they were trying to make him scary again, but that was a swing and a miss. The movie itself was bad. It went too dark, and I just don't think you can put the genie back in the bottle of Freddy being scary again. I think you can make him scary again, but you got to give him at least some degree of charm. I don't think you can go 100% dark. 
That's so interesting, man, because I, I feel like that's what the original messed up on. Like, they didn't make him dark enough. So the the, the remake or whatever you saw in 2010, like, they tried to make him all scary and you weren't into it? Correct. Correct. You need, like, his goofiness? <laughs> I need pipe. a little bit, a little bit of goofiness, like the first one had. He gets goofier and goofier as they go on, but the first yeah. one, he's still scary. He's just a little goofy. I thought he was too goofy in the first one. I, I I thought they needed to make him scary. So I I feel like I might like this 2010 remake. Check it out. Check it out. Let me know, or you can do a Patreon review of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'll, I'll I'll check it out. That, that's funny though. You, I mean, you, you feel like this goofiness like adds to his scare? Uh, no. But it's just like who Freddy is at this point. A Joker. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I guess I thought I thought maybe like I'm like at least, at least the way you're describing it, this might have been a chance for them to kind of like correct the franchise and make this into like an actual scary uh, villain. But it sounds like that that probably wasn't welcome. No, I mean I mean maybe it would have been welcome had they done it better. They tried to make him scary again in the seventh film of the franchise, uh, mm. Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Oh, okay, okay, and that that failed as well. A lot of people liked it. I thought it was just okay. I, I was surprised it wasn't better. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, it was yeah. good. It was good, but it, it wasn't. It's quite a few down in my favorites of the franchise, surprisingly. Sure. Even though it's like maybe one, the best all around movie, it just lacks some charm. Yeah. <laughs> you, love, you love some charm in your villains. I love charm. I've said the word <laughs> charm a bunch. Uh, Ian B also says Are there any films you feel could do with a remake or reboot? Yeah, I, I think one we recently talked about that I was surprised didn't have a remake was Killer Clowns, and I maybe this is kind of like an obscure '80s one that uh, I, I I don't know if a lot of people have seen it, but it's just weird that like uh, that movie did so well back then and hasn't been remade yet, and it just seems like you could go back, do all like the effects like a pretty high level, keep a lot of like the silliness and the goriness of it, and uh, do like a really good job. But you could also mess it up too, so it's kind of like a double-edged sword there yeah but, you could even make it a little bit more scary too i mean uh, yeah just more scary in general that one's not very scary yeah i mean i have like one or two scenes which i thought like were promising uh like in terms of like the setup but yeah you're right like a, a new one could like dial that up so much more it's funny i would have thought of that as a horror movie hole for both of us but boy that is one of our least listened to episodes in a long time nobody <laughs> cared that we did that one <laughs> Yeah, not a very popular <laughs> yeah. movie, I guess. I was not surprised. Uh, uh, what about you? My pick, two came to mind, but my, my official answer is They Live. Oh. I think the concept is evergreen, like in the themes, consumerism, people being brainwashed, the 1% keeping those below them like distracted. Uh, I think it's all great to think about. Now's a perfect time for it. And even though I love the theme... I don't think it's a very good movie top to bottom. I think you could do it again, keep the themes and create even like a totally different plot that still stays true to the spirit of the original Mm -hmm. and still call it a remake. And I think maybe you could like incorporate, uh, you know, if it was set in modern times, you could incorporate social media and the internet into it somehow too. Totally. Yeah. That'd be really interesting. Was that, was that was Carpenter, right? Yes. Yes, it was. Okay. Uh, and then there's a movie called Night of the Comet from 1984 that's just like two high school girls in the apocalypse. And uh, that could be a good one to remake now, too. I think you can make it scarier and funnier. Nice. I don't think I've seen that one. Yeah, I, uh, I've i barely seen it. I kind of watched it half half paying attention on Shudder one night. But uh, yeah, 
it it could uh, it's beloved, and I think a remake could could do well. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, worth revisit. It's so hard to like remake reboots. Like you have like original ones that like exist so well, and you don't want to like kind of ruin the re- legacy of like what they've started. But uh, yeah, no, 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 that's cool. Yeah, it's a dangerous game to play. It is. It is. Yep. That is the end of the questions, my man. That's awesome. Yeah. No. Thanks. I thanks everyone for the questions. I feel like those are really interesting and like kind of unexpected. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Um, anything else you want to get in before we wrap up this extra long, bloated three-year anniversary episode? Uh, not no, man. I just uh, want to say it's been a lot of fun uh, working with you on these podcasts, and I uh, hope we can keep it going. And uh, looking forward to another year of uh, fun movie picks. Same to you, man. And listeners, Ashwin and I check in with each other every few months, and we're like, "Hey, man, you still enjoying this? Is the time commitment still okay?" And I feel like we're always still on board. So I'm hoping we've got another three years in us at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's hope so. Cool. I mean, we got work to do. Yeah, exactly. A lot of holes to fill. It's cool. Like well, uh, <laughs> indeed. Yeah. On that note, I won't do our whole uh, close-up shop stuff because we mentioned so much of it at the top. But I'll just say thanks again, listeners. We're still a small show but we're bigger than we thought we'd ever be and it uh it means a lot to us a lot of you feel like friends to us and uh we're having fun we hope you are too and uh that's it until next time you got anything um until next time oh shoot no i can't think of anything watch the predator or you'll be publicly called out for it (laughs) i know <laughs> or don't admit to not ever seeing that film. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe don't call it the Predator, right? Isn't it just Predator? I think it's just Predator. <laughs> yeah. Alright, we gotta fix this. We'll we'll fix it soon, everybody. Yeah, yeah, okay. Thanks again. Happy three year, buddy. You too.